Hey humans, how's it going? Susan Ruth here. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hey Human Podcast. This is episode 291, and I had a conversation with Tia May. She's a chronic illness survivor, retired veteran, mental health advocate, and a singer-songwriter. I'm giving a trigger warning on this episode because we do talk about suicide. This episode was a really interesting one in that it's an example of you never know what someone's going through. Sometimes we need to hear other people going through their stuff to know that we can do it ourselves or that we're not alone. And I think a lot of what this show does is um, is facilitates that and helps people to see that that they aren't alone in this world and that other people are struggling and, and going through their own stuff and that maybe as we mirror each other and learn from each other and support each other and heal each other, that we just we get to a better place. Another thing about this episode that I think is important to note is that it's okay to cut out toxic people from your life in order to get healthy and to protect your own mental health, even if that means they are your blood relatives or people you're dating and you need to break up with or friends that you've had for a long time, whatever it is, if it's toxic to you, if it's unhealthy to your mental health and your well-being, it's okay to not have those people in your life, maybe forever, but at least until you're in a space where, you know, it doesn't feel icky, for lack of a better word, to be around them. So I just wanted to, to put that out there. Little information about me this week that's exciting. I've moved uh, into a new place, and so that's been an upheaval for everyone who has moved, and probably everybody listening has done that at least once in their life. It is really something. takes a lot out of you. Uh, It's good to be on the other side and doing the unpacking, which is always festive. I don't have a podcast room in the new place, uh, yet to figure that out. Right now I'm sitting in my closet with my clothes to have that nice deadened sound that works so well on podcasts. <laughs> I'll figure it out though. Also, while I've been unpacking, I've been listening to the Audible of Jane Eyre and oh my gosh, it's incredible. I never read it in high school and I have been whisked away to this otherworldly experience listening to it it's really it's 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 so good if you do audible and you're into charlotte bronte or maybe you don't know if you're into charlotte bronte uh definitely check that out the usual stuff rate and review hey human on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts you can find hey human on social media under hey human podcast on instagram and facebook you can find my personal Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter under Susan Ruthism. Uh, if you go to the links page on heyhumanpodcast.com, you'll find information about every guest that's been on the show. And I try to, to do all the research for you so you don't have to do it yourself. You just go there and deep dive all you want. If you want to know more about me and what I do, go to susanruth.com, all the different various things I do on there. And you can sign up for the mailing list. And if you want to email me, do so, susan at heyhumanpodcast.com. Okay, let's get into this show. Be well, stay safe. It's getting weird out there again. Um, Take care of each other, be kind, and hold yourself in high regard and and good esteem. And know that this is a tough time of year, 
the holidays are often just difficult for people. And just know that I'm glad you're here. And uh, it's important that you stick around. And yeah, just know that if you can hear my voice, um, you're important and you're meaningful. And, and yeah, love you. All right, here we go. Tia May, welcome to Hey Human. Thank you so much for having me. This is actually my first interview. Um, uh, starting a new chapter in my life, I wanted to start speaking publicly. And I've actually got a couple others set up um, after this, but this is the first one. Yay! So super, super excited and super nervous. But, you know, after we get into it, I'm sure that'll all just turn into just having fun. So I promise I'll take good care of you. And uh, I'm honored that I am the first one that you're going to be on. This, yes. is, this is great. Let's uh, go back to the very beginning. Where are you from? What What was childhood like for you? Oh, um, okay. Yep. I was born in Minnesota. I grew up starting out in Golden Valley, Minnesota. And I tell people all the time, I'm like, yeah, my childhood uh, was not good at all. <laughs> like, I'm sure there was little bits and pieces in there that, you know, you, you, there's always good in there somewhere. But um, both my parents were severe alcoholics. They separated when I was six months old. And my mom, I think being 38 when she had me, she was kind of out of that motherly phase and wanting to, um, pursue adulthood and kind of reflected that onto me. Um, so it was a very, very toxic environment. And then I took that running away. I, um, I actually, she threw me out at 16. And so I became homeless at 16. Kind of the, I tell people it's like the underground railroad, uh, finding friends that I could like hide in their basement and they would sneak me food and stuff like that until I found a place to stay and got a job and was doing the hustle, um, at 16. And I did that for a while. And there was just a point where I was like, this isn't the life that I want for myself at all. I was a hostess, uh, for a while. I did some, uh, waitressing, um, not to lie. Um, I was selling drugs on the side cause it was extremely easy for me. Um, very outgoing. And when you get into that, uh, homeless Avenue, you meet a lot of people that are into that. And like I said, it was super easy. And so I was like, Oh, sweet. You know, like I got the money I need to survive. So this is, you know, this is what I'm doing for now. Were you and using got- too? Oh, absolutely. Um, I started at a very young age with my parents being, you know, the the way they were with alcohol. Um, I started drinking and smoking at like 11. Um, And at 16, I was already um, hitting the bar with my dad. And, you know, that was just normal life. Like, you know, when people look at me, they're like, what? That's not normal. And I'm like, what? What do you mean it's not normal? (laughs) It was normal for me. You know, that's not healthy and it's not normal. Um, But that was, and I, you know, that put me into survival mode as as I've been finding out that I've been living in survival mode my entire life, you know, um, coming from that toxic environment. So, yeah. For sure. (laughs) How long were you homeless? Um, You know, I can't can't quite pinpoint it, you know, obviously doing a lot of drugs and, and alcohol back then, the, the memories are very, uh, touch and go. But, um, 
probably off and on for that next three years until I became, uh, I was 19. I got my GED because I didn't do good in school, as you can imagine. Um, so I got my GED and I actually joined the military when I was 19 years old to try to run away from the life I was living, thinking it was going to be my savior and everything was going to get better. And I was going to travel the world and have this amazing career, which um, if you if anybody's ever been in the military, they'll, they'll shake their head and go, no, no, no. <laughs> like that's not, um, it just continued to be a toxic environment for the next four years, um, which just piled on more, uh, survival mode, um, continued from the very beginning. And I know this is, this is, um, this was 2001. Um, I actually joined, I think it was about 12 weeks before nine 11 happened. <laughs> I have the greatest timing in the world. Um, so back then, cause I do, I've been told it's, it's a little different now. They're a little bit less, um, harsh in, in training. It was immediately right out the gate. You are nothing and you need to just do what you're told and boom, boom, boom. Um, the, before even getting into it, all of my stuff got stolen. It was just, it, it just, it was continuation of what I'd already been through. Um, just being yelled at being, you know, told you're not good enough, just constantly pushed around, um, being a female in the, in the army. Uh, I know it's different in some, some other, uh, services. Um, a lot of the male figures did not believe that women belonged in the army. Um, they were very against it. And so they did their best to, um, convince me that I wasn't you know, good enough to be there. And so me being in survival mode already, I was like, uh, no, I'm going to prove you wrong. And I'm going to push 10 times harder, which, um, actually just had a really bad effect on my body. Um, and I actually, I uh, think it was about two and a half, three years into it. Um, I was on crutches, uh, due to, I, I think it's possibly due to the abundance of, um, vaccinations that we got before I went to Korea for a year. And within weeks after getting all those shots, my body just started shut down. Like I was on crutches. I was in and out of the, uh, you know, the medical ward trying to figure out why everything hurt. And they had no clue. Like they, they just kind of said, Oh, you know, you just weren't cut out for this and put me on a bunch of pain pills. So I spent, um, as I was getting discharged from the military with no, uh, no known reason why I was having so many problems, I spent, I think it was about 12 years just using, um, pain pills to get through because everything hurt like all the time. And recently finding out that I actually have uh, rheumatoid arthritis, which is an autoimmune disorder. Um, I've carried that for the last 20 years. So, you know, I didn't have an adulthood. It was like 19, you're, you know, survival mode, go to the military and then boom, you're sick. So like all my, you know, and all the 20 sums are out, you know, you know, join their life and figuring it out themselves and this, that, whatever. I spent most of it, you know, going to doctors and just staying in survival mode, trying to survive myself really, because once you get sick, um, if you don't heal, um, it just takes toll, you know, mentally just recently, um, in February of this year, they finally started me on, uh, infusions at the chemo clinic at the, at the VA, which I now have to do every six months. So I'll do chemo for, you know, every six months for the rest of my life, unless it some, you know, by some miracle changes, you know, I'm all, I'm all up for, uh, any kind of natural 
alternative. And I've tried, you know, for the last five, six years, I have done every diet, every, you know, tried every supplement you can think, you know, just whatever it takes, like I'm trying it and I'm doing it. And like I said, I'm always up for it. So have you done acupuncture? um, I have not done acupuncture. Acupuncture changed my life. I was within a month and a half. I felt normal again. Wow. You had mentioned that something got stolen. Your stuff got stolen. Was that when you were still before you joined the military or once you were in the military, your stuff got no, stolen? No, that was in, in the military, like you, in a place where, you know, they, they, they promote this like brotherly bond. You, you just, I don't know. I guess I left my guard down and like the first two days, I think it was, we had like $300 worth of gear and someone took all of my gear and they were like, well, sucks for you. You know, you need to go get money and go buy some more gear. And I was like, that was the, the very beginning. And it just never got any better. It was just constant. Um, the minute that my body started to, I call it decompose, you know, like my, my joints were just, just horrible. Um, it immediately, it was this, um, pick, they pick on me and say that I was lazy and that I, I just didn't want to work and typical female, you know, like she doesn't want to do anything. So she's going to claim that her, you know, that she's in pain and da, 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 da. I'm like, no, eh. I came here for a career. Like I'm done. Well, like I, I love shooting. I love being out in the field. Like I just, I loved every minute of, of the, you know, physicality of it. Like I played football, I played basketball, I played hockey, I did everything. And it was just all of a sudden, just nothing from what, from what I read, I believe I had an auto, like an autoimmune uh, reaction, immune, immune response to over, uh, overstimulation with all of the numerous vaccines. Um, cause you know, it's a lot of, you know, when you're not in a military situation, you can put it on a time, you know, like a chart where you, you, you get one and then you, you know, in a, in a sequence and instead, because they're getting you ready to deploy, they just hit you with all of them at the same time. And like I said, it was immediate. I went from being this like super, I mean, all my PT test scores were amazing. And within weeks I was done. I couldn't run. Um, I couldn't dance. I, I, I was really fatigued all the time. Um, and I was really irritable because once you, you know, you're in pain all the time, you start to get irritable and, and it was, and it's been that way for up until I did the, the infusion. So 20 years, um, at least 10 years of which I spent laid up in my bed or on the couch and trying to raise children at the same time which was a whole nother, whole nother bucket to get into, um, being chronically ill and trying to live a normal life. And you're constantly in denial. Uh, at least that's how I was that I was fine. You know, I'm going to be fine and I can do things. Um, but it was every day, just a, a reminder that no, you're not fine and you can't do normal things. And now you're sick and you're disabled and you're less than, you know, and that's, that's, that's something that's extremely, extremely difficult to live with. And one of the reasons why I'm doing this and wanting to, um, to speak and tell my story is to help people. And it doesn't matter if they're, you know, disabled physically, or if it's, you know, struggling mentally to say, Hey, no matter what you're going through, it, it can get better but your mentality through it will change everything. And I know it sucks. Trust me. If anybody knows the suck, you know, I know the suck. And 
you're, you can, you can push through it. And, and, you know, a lot of people don't, a lot of people give up and that's what I am here to hopefully instill in people is that no matter what point you're at, you know, and if you're not, if you're not struggling, take some of your time and some of your energy that you have to help the people that are, because we need you, you know, like I tell my friends all the time, like you save my life every day. All you have to do is text me and say, Hey, how are you doing? You know, you're having a good day or I hope you have a good day. And it, it, it just, it, it puts fuel on those logs that are burning out. You know, if you think of your life as a fire and when you get to the point where you want to give up, it's like the fire, you're watching that last little kernel of, of flame and it's about to burn out. And one of your friends reaches out and says something, it's like, boom, there's some fluid, you know, and it, and it, even if it's just a little fire, that's all you need. You know, that's all you need. Cause once it goes out, we all know how much harder it is to start a new fire. <laughs> and, Did you um, contemplate suicide? My mom, I, I don't really trust a lot of stuff that she has said, but she claims that I was three the first time I told her that I wanted to die. And the first time I actually went to therapy, I was 11. So my entire life, I've been surviving um, those thoughts. Like, um, the only time I don't have those thoughts is on a day where I didn't feel any pain that day and I didn't get triggered and I didn't get stressed. So it has been, um, 39 years, you know, I'll just say, I don't know, we'll say 36 since I was three, but, um, 36 years of surviving myself because of the things that have been placed on me. Um, whether it be the trauma that was put on me or the physical ailments, um, it is, it's there, it's, there's not a day that doesn't go by that. I don't think, man, this sucks. Like why me, you know, I'm such a good person. Like why, but you can't think of why you just have to just find something, something for, you know, something to live for and find a purpose. Because I think, the days that are the hardest for me is when I don't feel like I have a purpose. I feel like I'm just living and I'm, you know, living and suffering and you can suffer through a lot and knowing that you have a purpose, it gives you a reason to keep, to keep going through that, that suffering, I guess. Were your parents physically abusive? Um, my dad was actually the most loving person I have ever known. And I, I give him so much credit for who I am and being able to make it through, uh, my childhood, um, is even though he was a very toxic, um, person as far as his alcoholism and he, you know, wasn't able to settle down and was just constantly all over the place. My mom um, although she has convinced the rest of my family who I don't speak with that I was the problem, you know, I was a horrible teenager and I was this and I was that, um, she was, I mean, there was times and I'm guessing maybe it was the alcohol and she's, you know, she, she says she doesn't remember. Um, there was times where she would wake me up in the middle of the night, just like hitting me like through my blanket, you know, through the blanket. And the day that she kicked me out on she legitimately kicked me out. She was kicking me with her leg and I said, you know what? I'm done. This is, I would much rather be homeless and surviving on my own than dealing with this mostly mental torture. You know, she would drink every night and it seems like she would just, just drowned in whatever, you know, 
hardship and whatever mental stress or whatever um, she had going on, she would drown in it. And instead of using me as a life preserver, she would try to pull me down with her and trying to, I'm still at 39, trying to um, retrain my brain out of that um, training. I tell people I was trained to believe that I was no good, you know, that I was a mistake. I didn't belong here. Um, and through engaging in other people and um, recently went to a veterans camp down in Georgia, actually just last week, and they focus on your strengths and don't, you know, don't focus on the things that you, you know, your we'll say weaknesses, you know, but they focus on your strengths. And it was really weird because a lot of the things that they pointed out as my strengths have been pointed out by toxic people to me as weaknesses. You know, um, I talk too much and I'm too positive. It's, it's, you know, and I'm a big dreamer, which is ridiculous. And I need to be more grounded and da, 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 da. And I was like, how are you going to tell me these are my strengths? <laughs> you know, like I've only ever been told these are weaknesses and I needed to change them and I needed to stop talking so much. And I needed to, you know, be more realistic when, when I got there, they were like, Oh no, you're awesome. You need to use these strengths in these ways. You know, maybe you just need to, to, um, to just mold your strengths in a way that is more beneficial instead of being all over the place. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean I need to change myself just changing how I use my strengths that I do have that I didn't, I mean, I kind of knew internally that they were there, but the voice has always told me, you know, that no, you know, you're not good. Don't, don't think you're good. <laughs> don't go there. So yeah, I'm constantly uh, learning about myself. And I think that's number one is to take the time to stop and say, Hey, who am I? You know, cause I think when you get into survival mode, you, you don't want to stop. You don't want to think, you don't want to do anything. You want to stay busy and not think about all of the stuff that you've either gone through or that you are going through. And so I always tell people like, Hey man, if you're struggling, when's the last time you thought about yourself? When's the last time you, you looked inside yourself and looked at the things that maybe aren't going the way you want And instead of placing blame on, you know, external things, like see, what it is that you're doing that's hindering you from making steps forward, you know, cause I feel like when we moved to Nashville about 10 years ago, um, I, I hit the ground running. I was like, I'm an artist and I'm going to be an amazing, you know, famous artist. If I work, 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 and I get my name out there and it was social media and it was just 24 hours constant. I didn't sleep. I was just in, in manic mode of like, I have to do this. And if I don't do this, I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to be good enough and I need to achieve this stuff. And I just ended up running in circles for 10 years. Like, I mean, I, I made some, some progress. I got my name out there. But it didn't have it didn't have a purpose other than to get known and to make money. Like that was it. You know, I was just I'm going to make money. I'm going to do this. I'm going to get famous, and I'll prove everybody wrong that I am worth it. You know, and it took me slowing down, which is very uncomfortable when you have a lot of trauma, um, and literally looking the trauma in the face and saying, "Okay, you you served your purpose. I survived." but I'm done like in survival mode. I'm, I'm ready to live, thrive and inspire people to do the same. You know, I'm, 
it's tiring. It's exhausting. And you'll think that you're not good enough. You know, that the reason why you're not succeeding and you're not getting the things that you, you want out of life it may just be that your, your vision is, is not clear because you're, internal stuff is fogging the glass. As a person that has so much trauma in their past, how did you go into a relationship with that? Like, what was your, um, what was your way of going into it healthily or if not healthily, how did you find it? How did you find a place of health within it? Okay. Yeah. So not having, um, any, um, examples of a good relationship, I did, what any trauma, you know, traumatized person would do. I jumped into, you know, the first people that would give me the attention that I felt that I needed. And it wasn't love. It was attention. And I, it took me, um, three failed marriages. I got married the first time I was 19, um, in the military. It took me three failed marriages to finally understand that the tools that I was given or the tools that I wasn't given, had created this person that was seeking something that wasn't healthy. And it was funny because it was when I decided that I was done and I was actually going to take time. I I told myself I was going to take a year to not be in a relationship and to figure myself out and figure out what it was that I was doing wrong, what I was seeking was wrong, you know, this and that, whatever, is actually when I met my husband, my current husband, we've been together for 11 years. And we both have, you know, a lot of issues that we are constantly still, uh, figuring out ways to work out. Um, but it was when it was when I, I met him and it was honestly like just the way he talked to me and the way that he, um, interacted with me was completely different than anybody else that I'd ever been with. He was very honest and able to have those deep conversations that a lot of people don't when they are in uh, a negative or a unhealthy uh, place in their life. And they bring that to somebody else. Um, I had a lot of troubles trusting because uh, my previous husband had been un- um, unfaithful Uh, many times I come to find out and I realized how damaged I was when I didn't, I still didn't want to let him go. Even though I knew that he, you know, was doing that. I needed this like concrete evidence, which I finally got. But like after that, um, I realized and I put my foot down and I was like, you know what? you, I don't care what anybody says. Nobody deserves this. You know, nobody deserves to be treated that way. And, um, luckily I did stumble across my husband who I'm currently with, who is the most supportive and gives me unconditional love. And I, it was one of the first time I really knew what that was, um, after my father, because my father just loved me to the moon and back, uh, thankfully. Um, but yeah, it's, it's nice to know the difference because I, I give, I, I'm always the one to give advice to my friends or to people online where they're like, you know, say what they're going through. And I'm like, no, that's not healthy. And they're like, what do you mean? You there's this. And I'm like, no, that's not healthy. So if you guys can't, if, if you can't become healthy, then it's time to leave. I am huge advocate. I don't care if you're married. I don't care, you know, what promises you've made that everyone deserves to be in a healthy relationship and 
if you're not, then, then you need to go. I'm not, you know, and if the other person is willing to work on those things, then that's one thing. But if they're like, this is me and you know, this is what you got. It's like, okay, bye. (laughs) You know, like, and it's hard. I've done that with kids. Um, I had, um, I had a daughter with my second husband and my family gave me, um, complete hell for wanting to leave. They were like, that's your, you know, your daughter's father and you need to stick it out and you need to do this and you need to do that. I was like, I don't know. I kind of want my daughter to see a healthy relationship and this isn't it. So in my head, I was like, I want to do things differently. That's one thing that's always driven me forward is doing you know, I, I learned what not to do. You know, I didn't learn a lot of good things growing up, but I learned what not to do. You don't drink too much and you don't, you know, talk down to your kids. Two major things that I, I don't do. You know, I don't drink a lot. I actually don't drink at all now. Um, and I make sure my kids, they don't even talk bad about themselves. Um, they, you know, if they try to say, oh, I'm so stupid. I'm like, oh no, <laughs> you don't go there. Um, I live by positivity, um, thinking, acting and speaking positively will never get you in a bad place. So you say that you're not drinking anymore. How did you wean yourself off of assuming you have, uh, the pills, the pain pills? Um, that came with being diagnosed and they got me on, uh, which was good and bad thing. They finally got me on steroids when I moved to Nashville my husband actually brought me to the, to the, to the VA here in Nashville in a wheelchair. Um, everything on me, I'd been sitting in in front of the TV for like a week or two and my hands were just completely useless. And, uh, I went there and they still had no idea, um, what was wrong with me. But luckily one of the, one of the doctors there, she said, you know what, I think this could be rheumatoid arthritis. So let's just try you on prednisone and see what happens. And sure enough, as soon as I took that pill, I think it was maybe 12 hours, you know, 12 to 24 hours. I went up and I went running because I hadn't, I hadn't been able to even walk, you know, on my own for quite some time. So I was like running around the neighborhood and I was like shouting and like dancing. I was like, oh my goodness. Cause I seriously got it in my head that I was going to be, um, what one of the doctors at the VA actually called me was an invalid. Like as soon as I rolled in, he looked at me and he was like, this is the worst case of RA I have ever seen, like, especially for somebody who's only 30 years old, I was unable to, to move. I wasn't able to do anything. My husband had to help me to the restroom. Um, and it's very, when, when you're a, a hardworking and very physical person, um, being put in the position of not being able to care for yourself, that's enough right there to give up. Cause like, it's like everything has been taken from you. And what's the point, you know, like, what's the point if all I'm going to do is sit here, I can't move and I'm just going to hurt, you know, like, what's the point? And luckily I had a child and, um, at the time, uh, a boyfriend, fiance, and they kept me moving forward. It was like, okay, well, if I go, they're going to be destroyed and I don't ever want to make anybody else go through pain. So, Honestly, I've told my husband this, that if I didn't have a family, which I never thought I would have, um, I was kind of against it growing up in such, you know, bad place. 
that I was going to be a gypsy that traveled the world and did whatever she wanted. And they proved me wrong. Um, I now actually have three girls and love being a person or being a parent to basically do the things that I didn't get, you know, just showing unconditional love and um, teaching them every day and, and showing them um, how to become adults. Um, I'm 39 and I'm just now starting to teach myself how to be an adult. I don't know how I made it to this point as well as I have, but, um, you know, I give myself a pat on the back every day for, um, be resilience is a word that, you know, we, we talked about a lot in camp is, is having resilience through all of it and taking the things that you've been through good or bad and using those in, in your purpose and, you know, helping others, especially your children, um, and guiding them in a positive manner. Uh, it, it guides me and, and pushes me every day. Is your mother in your life now? Um, no, she, uh, she wasn't very, um, very giving as far as her time. Um, I would hear from her. Sometimes it would be months and I constantly had this yearning. Like I, I wasn't, I was still having that, uh, the victim attachment mentality of constantly wanting the, the mother bond. And because I knew she was supposed to be in my life, but she was choosing not to be in my life. It was very, um, traumatic, like every day, like I'd have something happen. Like when I went through chemo for the first time, I just, I just wanted to talk to her and be like, this is what I'm going through and da, 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 da. But she didn't answer the phone and it would be a month again, you know, three weeks, a month, two months, whatever. I, I would call people to check and see if she was still alive sometimes, because I was like, there's no way somebody would not want to talk to me at least for this long. So, you know, what's going on. So actually, um, recently, pretty recently, probably about a month ago, um, I told her and, you know, my sister that I just couldn't do it, um, that they just needed to, they just needed to exit completely because I had this attachment that was pulling me under. And my husband did question. He's like, oh, it's, you know, it's a little dramatic, don't you think? And I was like, I don't know, because I feel like a hundred pounds just got lifted off my shoulders. So I think for me and everybody's different, but I think for me, that was extremely good in, um, in my healing process. Um, and one day I may be able to reach back out, but right now during this process for me, um, not, you know, knowing that I made the choice to not have them in my life and that they're not choosing to not be in my life gave me so much empowerment that it was what I needed. And, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you can't do that to family. And it's like, family is the, the people that choose to be in your life and the people that choose to love you. And that could be, you know, your neighbor, that could be whoever blood to me will never make people family. And some people won't understand that. Some people won't understand your reasonings and your decisions. And it doesn't matter because when it comes down to it, this is your life. Um, you only get one. And if you don't live it how you want to live it, you end up on your deathbed with regret. And I don't want to regret anything. I'm not holding grudges because that's, you know, something I don't want to carry. So 
for sure. It is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. And I'm excited for the next 40 years of my life. I'm, I'll be turning 40 in April. And one of my life goals was, it used to be to be retired by the time I was 40 and be successful and wealthy and this and that, whatever. Now it's just like, man, I just want to be at peace. I want to be working my purpose and make as many positive impacts as I can before I go. Uh, my biggest fear is not being remembered. Um, it's not dying. It's not leaving a mark before I go. Is that part of your work then? What are you going to do for, for your purpose? Absolutely. And I think um, I've known for quite some time, um, my hands, uh, you know, my whole life, art has been my thing. That's all I've ever been known for since I was a small child. And um, there's a whole lot more to me that I think is even more impactful. So while I did get slightly depressed about my hands, you know, not being able to paint, you know, if I, if I use my hands for more than 30 minutes to an hour, they go numb and they hurt. And then I pay for it for, you know, however long, um, I have joints that are starting to deform. Um, all of the cartilage in my hands is, has disintegrated. So they don't, you know, like my wrists don't bend and stuff like that. So, I'm like, okay, as much as it sucks, <laughs> you have to find something else to do because art was so easy. It came naturally for me. I love doing it. Um, I even learned how to tattoo. I, it was a big goal of mine from the time I was 14 to learn how to tattoo. And as soon as I got my license, COVID happened and they shut down all the tattoo places. And then my hands got, my hands got so bad. I couldn't do it anyways. Um, but I don't regret learning because like, that was a huge, that was like at the top of my bucket list. And it was like, okay, check, you know, but what's next, you know, that's not going to work for, you know, your purpose. Um, so now seeing as, uh, we went through the Clifton strengths, I don't know if you know about these, but it is absolutely amazing. And, um, on there is a lot of the things that, that I already knew that I was good at, which is, um, I'm strategic. I'm really good at communicating because I love to talk and I love getting to know people and digging into, you know, what makes them, uh, what, what they're driven to do because most people are not doing what they're driven to do. Most people are doing what it takes to survive, what, you know, what they need to do to make money, what they need to do to get the house that they want. And they don't understand that they're actually not, you know, living with a purpose and that's why they don't feel fulfilled. Um, positivity is number five, six is number, uh, is number six is futuristic. Um, I'm an activator. I love starting things. One of my weaknesses is actually finishing. Like I am great at starting things, mm -hmm. but I'm not, I'm not that great at following through. And that's not necessarily a horrible thing. I just am good at motivating people to start. So, um, being a motivational speaker, um, getting into music because music has actually always been a passion of mine that I was just very, um, shy to, to share with people because of self-doubt that was instilled in me. Um, so opening up to really pushing forward with my music career, um, as a songwriter, a singer, whatever it is, and helping people find their purpose so that they can live more meaningful lives and not want to give up. Because I believe if you have a purpose, you will never give up. And, what is the um, Clifton thing that you were talking about? I don't know what that is. Okay, okay so one of the things, um, it's we, I went to um, Camp Southern Ground. It was actually Zach Brown 
from the Zach Brown band uh, started it. It's down in, in Georgia and you go through, I had no idea what I was in for. I just knew that I needed to, um, I needed to one, get away because I had um, never really spent a lot of time away from my kids. And I've been, you know, a mother for 16 years. So it was a big eye opener that, Hey, you need to take time for yourself. Uh, number one, but the Clifton strengths, um, you take a survey, uh, through a lot of questions that have been developed over time and they outline your strengths that you, that you have and that you should use. Um, and then there was another one is a anagram, which is your personality and who you are and how your brain is driven to work. So those two things are actually two things that I plan to get um, certified in becoming a mentor for um, and also doing public speaking in a completely different way because I am futuristic and I like to be, um, I like to be different, always have. Um, so trying trying to use um, public speaking, mentoring, music, all of them um, together. I'm actually working with uh, one of the guys from the camp to come up with a program that I can actually start um, pursuing. And I think it'll be really awesome because I, I hate the idea of sitting in a room and listening to somebody talk for a long period of time and then, you know, just taking notes or absorbing it. And I think that people like to be included. I think people like interaction and they like to be entertained. So I like, and I also like touching on all the emotions um, because I think it's healthy to not just be in comedy mode because to me, that's just a blanket to, you know, avoid talking about what makes you feel bad. And so I kind of want it to be a thing where I can go up. I love doing uh, musical improv. It's actually what I'm pretty much all I can do is um, hearing music and just letting the music drive the lyrics. And they were all kind of laughing, you know, and kind of chuckling at camp because everywhere I go, I'm, I'm making up songs and I don't write a lot of them down, but it's just, it comes naturally to me and it doesn't come naturally to everybody. And instead of pretending that that doesn't exist, I'm like, you know what? A lot of people think this is cool. So I'm gonna have to get over the shyness and let people into that, you know, um, into that part of my head. Cause it's been in my head since I was, you know, since I was a child. Have you ever been diagnosed with ADHD? Um, I've actually, in the last two years, I, I, I'd get all of my medical care from the VA and they're not very pro, um, ADHD. They, I don't know if it's because too many people try to get ADHD medicine because it is an upper. Um, but I even, I went, I went to the emergency room, um, about two, I think it was about two months ago, between a month and two months. And I went there for mental distress and I told him, I said, I, I'm pretty sure like 99.9% .9 sure I have ADHD and I might even be on the spectrum because I have all these weird ticks and, you know, things about me. Um, and they turned me away at the emergency room. Cause you know, well, I've known you 10 minutes and I, I, I know you 30 minutes and I'm like, she's definitely ADHD. Just yes, all of the things yes. you're describing about not finishing Absolutely. projects and having Absolutely. all these ideas. Absolutely. And Absolutely. 
Well, the VA actually sent me, I asked them for an outside provider. They sent me to a counselor that could not prescribe medication. She talked with me, like you said, she was on the phone with me for 10 minutes. She's like, I'm pretty sure you have it, but I'm going to finish the evaluation anyways. (laughs) So she finished she finished the evaluation and she was like, you are intensely ADHD. And I was like, I've kind of known this my whole life, you know? And, and one of the things that sucks knowing at 39 is that you look back at your entire life and realize that it drove you in circles. And that's why your life was so hard. You know, like in high school, I was drawing on the desk and, you know, they'd come by and hit the desk and like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, you're boring me and I need to do something right. I really want to go outside. Um, and it was, you're not, you're not giving yourself, you know, you're not using your, your brain. Your, they didn't your know brain. a lot back then about yeah. it. Yeah. You're being lazy and yeah. why can't you do this? And you're Isn't it funny, the ironic, the ironic statement of you're being lazy when in fact your brain is moving so fast. It's exhausting. Yeah. I, I do. I, I feel like my brain is running a marathon and it yeah. never goes, it never goes, it never goes to sleep because when, uh, one of the reasons why I used alcohol, um, and I use marijuana, especially for last, um, probably last three years was because I could get rest in my dreams. I wouldn't, I wouldn't remember them. I wouldn't wake up, you know, and it, whatever, it was fine. And I've only actually been truly sober off of all like anxiety medication, alcohol, uh, marijuana, all of it for um, a little over a week now because I wanted I wanted to stop before I went to camp because, of course, you know, I'm not going to go camp and just like, hey, guys, you know, whatever. Um, But it oh, man, the dreams are exhausting. Yeah, you're, they're so vivid and you wake up and you feel like you didn't get any sleep because you were moving constantly. There's just super bright, super lost. Yeah, you're, you're just living a whole nother life. You're planning on going to camp again, but this time you want to start learning to be perhaps one of the counselors. Is that what I'm hearing or... No, I, I'm going to go, it won't be until next year in October. They have two different, well, now they have three programs. Um, I went to warrior week, which is mostly about learning your strengths and your Enneagram, learning personality and finding this whole self. And then there's warrior path, which is what I plan on doing next year. And that is digging deep into the PTSD, um, and really getting into the hardcore emotional stuff that I kind of want to get a little bit more settled in myself before I embark on that. Cause that's, that's pretty intense. Um, and it's nice because it's a smaller group and you, it's all women, um, that they put together because they, they we do talk about, um, mil, um, M was it MT was it M- MST military sexual trauma, um, which I did have a lot of, um, sexual harassment. There was one episode where, um, one of my superiors actually, um, came at me and stuff like that. And so, and that's something I never talked about a lot of my military, um, my military experience, I just kind of chalked it up as a loss. Like I wasn't proud of it cause it was really, you know, traumatizing and it didn't last as long as I wanted it to. And I felt, I kind of felt like I failed because I had, you know, this plan of being this, you know, general at some point. And I never made it past uh, PFC, which is a private first class. And 
So I've always just kind of up until going to camp, I've always kind of pushed that away. I don't wait, you know, up until now, I have never worn anything to show, show people I was a veteran. Um, I've never done anything with veterans because my experience in the military was not positive. So it was like, why do I want to go hang out with those people again? <laughs> and so one of the great things about that program was I got to connect with some amazing people. They were all veterans and it kind of, it, it opened up that pride and that sense of um, brotherhood and, and community that I never had um, in the past. And so now it's like, okay, cool. Now I can work with veterans and I can help them. And because veterans, um, I don't know if a lot of people know this, are um, twice as likely to commit suicide than than your average person. And we're only uh, 1% of of the population, um, very small population and they need help. The I've been let down time and time again at the VA, uh, both for physical and mental health. And my goal in the long run is to actually start my own camp program, retreat, whatever you want to call it, um, here in the Nashville area, because there are three VAs, uh, within 30 miles of each other. So it's a huge hub for veterans here. And through my research, there are a few programs, but it is nothing to the extent of what I would like to create. Um, it's going to, it's not going to be cheap, but after going to, uh, camp Southern ground and they showed us on the little, you know, tour that you go on when you first get there, there was these little tents in, in the back of the facility. And they said, well, this is where it started. You know, we just had a couple of tents, a fire pit, and it exploded into this amazing, beautiful facility. And I was like, sweet. Like I can <laughs> do that. You know, like it makes it feel like it's more attainable and my crazy um, Disney world dreams um, aren't, as unattainable as I once thought, you know, it's kind of like that punch to the face. Like this is your purpose. You know, you probably would have known this before had you had these experiences and you know, it's, it's never too late. You know, I, I often kick myself or try to kick myself because I'm, I'm not where I want to be or someone else has, you know, made it past me and they've been doing it, you know, for less time. And, and that uh, comparing yourself to others will only pull you down and, and into a place where you don't need to go. And I'm like, look, it don't matter how old you are. You be 50, 60, 70. It doesn't matter. Nobody knows what exactly the right time is. It, it all is the right time. Whenever you've decided to do something, that's the right time. There it is. Absolutely. And I hate to say everything happens for a reason, just because it makes it feel like you don't have the power, like the universe just does it for you. But it does happen. Like you said, it happens when it needs to happen. And like, um, it's crazy how one week at a camp, it is, it, it can be completely life-changing if you take the time to put in the effort because I'm not gonna lie I mean at least one person I I just watched and it was like watching myself in the past very distracted and not involved and if that would have been me 
Like if I was in that mode of being stuck, you know, on my phone or not, you know, really giving, you know, not doing the work, I wouldn't be where I am today. Like I was ready to put in the work, you know, a year ago, if I would have gone to that camp, it'd be like, ah, I got you know, I got some time away and some good food and you know, it was a good time. And I was so eager to change. And I was so like, I was self-aware. Um, I am currently, um, coming down off of prednisone. And I noticed once I broke through, um, under 10 milligrams, cause I was at 40 milligrams and it was, I was like psychotic. I mean, I'm taught screaming at people, you know, hating life, super depressed. And once I broke under that 10 milligram mark, it was like, I literally woke up from a coma. Like I was like, Oh, hi. You know, like y'all need to get to know me. Cause I don't know me. I've been gone for 10 years. Cause I've been on it for 10 years now. And hopefully the plan is to, um, to be doing the infusions and hopefully the infusions, you know, twice a year is going to replace the, the prednisone and I can get off of it completely because not only having ADHD, but having, um, steroids in your system and putting the two together, it's an insane mixture because my brain was already, you know, is already going a hundred miles an hour, but then it's also like projected with this, like, energy and anger and frustration on top of that. So it's just, um, it's feeling the calm after the storm and realizing that you're safe and you can take time to go into healing mode and not be in survival mode all the time. And finally being like, Whoa, like, this is me. Like, I kind of <laughs> like me now, you know, like, cause I didn't like me at all. You know, I told my husband every day, like, I don't want to be me. Um, and I knew, you know, and I told him every single day, please, you know, understand that this is not me. Um, this is the medicine. And I don't think he truly, truly understood until I did break through under, mm. um, you know, starting to, to, to take myself off of it. And he was like, whoa, you really were kind of crazy because of the medicine. I was like, yes, <laughs> I've been telling you for 10 years. But I think it's easy to think that somebody's making excuses for their bad actions because of something, you know, like a, a medication or something like that. But um, there's not a lot of awareness, I don't think, about exactly what it does because they they put me on it like, oh, this can help you walk. And there could be some negative side effects. They never they never told me that I was going to completely lose myself and, and be a completely different person. And then if I was ever able to come back off, I was going to have to adjust to the fact that I didn't even feel like I was here for the last 10 years. And me and my husband have so much history, you know, been together for 11 years, but only 12, 12 months of that 11 years, did we actually get to be together? Um, so I carry, you know, 10 years of him knowing someone else and him being mad at someone else. And now I'm like, but it wasn't me, you know? And then I feel so guilty because I was the one there, you know, technically, physically I was there. So he puts, you know, he put the, you know, the bad along with me 
And so we're having to now work through that along with me figuring out who I am and, and what my purpose is and, um, adjusting my children. I mean, my children have grown up with what I felt like was more like my mom, you know, just very, you know, um, jumpy and and easy to just snap, you know, very snappy and, and just constantly on edge to where they were in almost survival mode. And I can see that they're seeing a difference and that they're going to have to adjust. But I just, I just reassure them every day. I'm like, look, mommy's sick. Mommy's probably always going to be sick, but mommy is hopefully never going to be that ever again. You know, hopefully, you know, the, the steroids is going to be part of my past and just something that I, I survived and that I can learn from and grow from and not hold a bunch of uh, resentment towards myself because I really didn't have control over that part of my life. And that's, that's tough, you know, knowing that you did, that you did 10 years worth of damage to people, but it's okay. We're moving forward. <laughs> you know, it's not that easy. Yeah. Well, you know, hopefully, hopefully, you know, it's a new chapter and, and there's healing to do and, and learning to do, but you'll get there. Tia, how can people get a hold of you if they want to reach out and ask questions? Um, any social media outlet, I am Tia W May, um, on, I want to say on TikTok, I've recently just started TikTok, um, plan on doing some speaking on there. It's, uh, Tia W May. Um, but yes, I'm available to take messages. Um, and I will, you know, I can't guarantee I'll get back to them in 10 seconds, but I will always, uh, message somebody back if they need somebody to talk to all for judgment free zone. I don't care what it is. Yeah. I don't care what it is. I'm not going to tell anybody and I am not going to judge. So great. I hope people feel, feel comfortable. Thank you for sharing your story. Yes. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. And thank you for listening, everybody. Have a good day. Bye. You too. Bye. Rate and review Hey Human on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks. Bye.